You ready? You ready, Steve? Uh-huh. Andy? All yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, whatever. whatever. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andy woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you week let's do it again hello you're listening to the odd sisters podcast i'm marcy i'm allison and i'm gulia today what are we talking about who's doing the episode today it's me oh yeah i was like (laughs) like, get your notes yeah i was like she looks really relaxed (laughs) (laughs) like not that you should look stressed out but like (laughs) ready to settle in enjoy a story yeah (laughs) <laughs> I really was. I was like, I'm ready to see where this... Oh, it's me. <laughs> Next time. What a twist. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome to the show. Today we are talking about some weird, creepy history. Mm-hmm. Allison's going to tell us about... What are you telling us about? I'm going to tell us about... <laughs> technically. <laughs> I'm learning too. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> um, it is... The, I'm going to say the world's first superstar. Ooh. Yeah. Huh. Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Could you> imagine? <laughs> it's about to get and real then he died for <laughs> The end. <laughs> How's that end? <laughs> okay. In memory of Ted Neely. <laughs> so it starts died. in Bethlehem. And... <laughs> I personally will always remember Ted Neely for that spirited performance in uh, Django. Yeah. <laughs> I was so talking fucking about creepy. Hillbilly number five. <laughs> with um, when we were, I was visiting family just last week. Um, when you're a kid and you totally like sometimes things just don't make sense to you. And I 100% for like years thought they murdered him at the end of Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> oh, we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah I remember. Because, yeah. Because they get on they the all, bus. They get to leave without yeah, him. He's not there. <laughs> <laughs> just <a> like <laughs> dusting of <laughs> and then well, let's go and then they just show the three crosses on the hill and yeah. it's like no and then it ends and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> they left it was them. yeah <laughs> it was a snuff film yeah i'm <laughs> crying <laughs> 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 Yep. Just oh. a bunch of musical theater people just wanted to murder Ted Neely. And like the beginning too, when they get off the bus, and they all have oh. their hands on their shoulders and they're moving and then they like open them up and he's in the middle. Oh my God. <laughs> like sacrifice. Sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice. 
Jesus Christ. This is such a terrible start. Why wouldn't they just put him on the bus then? No fucking clue. It was the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw him up there. Like the shoe in Priscilla. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just a cross country tour. (laughs) Oh my God, we're so insensitive. (laughs) Anyway. Oh shit, that was fun. (laughs) What are we talking about? Not this. This is the Atheist Sisters <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. Get over it. No one said anything. <laughs> I know. I know they are. I know they're listening to it. And they're like, wow. Lay off, <laughs> lay off Ted Neely. <laughs> I think most people are thinking, who the fuck is Ted Neely? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. We anyway, to... we're not talking about no. him. Okay. So we're, that's why we're Another not talking superstar. about. Yeah. A different superstar. <laughs> yeah. Of different. Coffee just came things. out of my nose, by the oh, way. Oh, that was coffee? That was coffee. Oh, I thought you were drinking water. <laughs> no, nope, drinking coffee. Came out of my nose. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Who's the superstar? So the superstar is Charles Sherwood Stratton. He was born <laughs> on January 4th, 1838 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. 1838. Jesus. So he was, quote, a relatively large baby weighing nine pounds and eight ounces, or 4.3 kilograms, at birth. I think oh, that's wow. how much Julia weighed. I weighed more than that, I believe. <laughs> that was just how your much? Head. How much? Nine, uh, nine pounds, eight ounces. Yeah, like uh, almost the same size, <laughs> honestly. But a normal size baby. Yeah. <clears throat> Healthy. <clears throat> so Stratton's paternal grandparents were a man named Seth, Sh- Sh- Seth Sherwood Stratton and a woman named Amy Sharp. And his maternal grandparents were a man named Joseph Thompson and a woman named Mary Ann Sharp, who was Amy Sharp's twin sister. Hmm. So that means that Charles' parents, Cynthia Thompson and Sherwood Edward, were actually first cousins. Oh. Sorry, Sherwood Edward Stratton. Um, So this wasn't that unusual at the time. Yeah. Uh, However, Amy and Mary Ann Sharp were, quote, stated to be small twin girls which may explain why, despite Cynthia and Sherwood being of medium height and their other children being, quote, of average size, Charles Stratton stopped growing when he was six months old. Whoa. Oh, jeez. So at this point, he was 25 inches tall, or 64 centimeters, and weighed 15 pounds, or 6.8 kilograms. What? Mm-hmm. Soon after his first birthday... Can you birthday, imagine going through, like, no, like, he should still be growing at this definitely. point. Like, it just stops? He like, just stopped. what would you do? I mean, <laughs> I think we're about to find out. <laughs> uh, the question. Soon after his first birthday, his parents took him to see a doctor who told them, quote, there was little chance Charles would ever reach normal height. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah of course. That's he stopped growing when he was six yeah. months old. And then when he was one, the doctor was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> hmm. Is he healthy going still? Uh, he was, yeah. Apart from him being small, he was perfectly healthy. He hmm. was... There was technically nothing else wrong with him except he just stopped growing. Hmm. Uh, Phineas Taylor Barnum had started his showman career Ooh. in 1835. Are uh, you kidding? He's fantastic. Watch the film. He's the greatest showman. <laughs> I, I, d- I didn't actually picture so much musical theater being referenced in this episode, but <laughs> here we are. And yet here we are. He killed Ted Neely. 
<laughs> no, he didn't. Okay. Uh, he started his showman career in 1835 when he purchased African-American slave Joyce Heth, whom he advertised as, quote, unquestionably the most astonishing and interesting curiosity in the world. She was the slave of Augustine Washington, father of General Washington, and was the first person who put the clothes on the unconscious infant who, in after days, led her heroic fathers on to glory, to victory, and freedom. To use her own language when speaking okay. of the illustrious father of this country, yeah. she raised him. Joyce Heth was born in the year 1674 and was and has consequently the now arrived Jesus. at the astonishing age of 161 years. End quote. Two things. I don't know if you could hear my eyes rolling, but <laughs> I feel like it's uh, it was pretty obvious. But also, can you just picture the text? Yeah, on that page, like with the I different it. words being. Bold I was gonna. I was gonna say that's exactly I, what I pictured. I, yeah. I pictured the the. Um, the signing, the paper that they have to sign and uh, Willy Wonka and the Jungle, like where it just keeps getting <laughs> smaller and smaller and you're just like, what the am contract. I even reading? <laughs> yeah, the contract. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, bullshit, but yes. Yes. Yeah. So okay, like, so in what, what year yeah, is like it now? How old is he saying like she is? 200? He's saying she's 161 years old in yeah. 1835. Can I, can I ask a question? Why would they put so much text on those things? It, like how many people could read? When you want it to just be as direct as possible, like how many? It's like the eighteen, eighteen. Like how many people could actually read all of that? I don't know. I didn't look that up. I'm sure it did. <laughs> so all the women were just like, I don't know what the fuck this says, <laughs> <laughs> except for like the really rich ones, I guess. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It but just like, seems like a lot. You, how would you minimize that advertisement? You would have to explain <laughs> I don't it. No, it's like in. Um, in George Washington's some third world countries life because the reading <laughs> the know. reading level is so low they use pictures instead of labels like just pictures of what it is oh on yeah food and things like that um and Gerber baby food just had a picture of a baby <laughs> <laughs> on the front so like some bad move yeah you go too minimal and you lose the point right yeah so babies babies <laughs> silent greatest people <laughs> Gerber. <laughs> Gerber is people. Yeah, it didn't go over well. No. Anyway. Uh, in Joyce actuality, Heth. Joyce Heth was not 161 years old. She was actually probably closer to 80 years old. Uh, she was blind and almost completely paralyzed. Um, Barnum exploited a legal loophole that allowed him to own Joyce, despite slavery being illegal in New York at the time. He then toured her around the States from what August was... 1835 until she died on February 19th, 1836. What kind of loophole was that? There Probably was an like, entertainment thing. Yeah. Oh. He could like leased her from someone else. So he was like giving someone money to own her. And that wow. person wasn't in New York, but him and Joyce were in New York. I don't know. Sounds legit. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he toured her around from August 1835 <laughs> until she died on February 19th, 1836. And then he sold tickets to her autopsy for people to come mm -hmm. and watch because P.T. Barnum was a giant What's dick. Monster? Huge dick. <laughs> he was, of course, Huge. a giant dick. Just with a top hat on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was. It's <laughs> a great image. <laughs> like, just think about that for a sec. Um, so why would people? Why would people want to watch her autopsy? Because he was saying she was 161 years old. Okay. And because there was fuck all to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they would just That's show true. up to the. Just morgue. bring the kids. Yeah, 100. Yeah, percent That's our heart. Hangings. Oh yeah, right. Like there was fucking nothing. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> nothing. There was nothing to do. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so autopsies. In 1841, Barnum purchased... I don't know how to So that was a lie. There's no way yeah. she was that old. 
she, no, she, she wasn't. Said, she, she was around 80. 80. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, she even making it to 80. And listening. He he did a thing where the autopsy said uh, they did the whole thing. And then, like, she was only 80 was years processing. old. It was a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> and then Barnum her. was like, no, 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 that wasn't the real Joyce Heth. The real Joyce Heth is on a tour of Europe. And so he was just, he just liked uh-huh. to lie to people. Yeah. To keep their interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1841, Barnum purchased, I think the, this person's last name is pronounced Scudder, Scudder's American Museum, S-C-U-D-D-E-R, Scudder. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, which quick, he were quickly renamed as Barnum's American Museum. Quote, it became a popular show place. He added a lighthouse lamp, which attracted attention up and down Broadway and flags along the roof's oh edge that attracted attention in the <laughs> daytime. While giant paintings of animals between the upper windows drew attention from pedestrians. The roof was transformed to a strolling garden with the view of the city where he launched hot air balloon rides daily. A changing series of live acts and curiosities were added to the exhibits of stuffed animals. And not stuffed animals like teddy bears, but like taxidermy mm. animals. So he's just kind of like, he's got like major like Wizard of Oz like vibes yeah, to him. Definitely. Hot air balloon rides. Uh, so these. That's, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> that was the one. A similarity. building that he lives in. <laughs> like a weirdo. <laughs> uh, so these live acts and curiosities included albinos, giants, little people, jugglers, magicians, exotic women, detailed models of cities and famous battles and a menagerie of animals as well. So it was like a museum plus hot air balloon ride plus <laughs> different people just all hanging out. Different people. I feel like he had a tank in there. Yeah, that I think that was in the the <laughs> menagerie of animals. I think he had some like whales or... Just to like blow shit up? <laughs> yeah, <a> tank. <laughs> that wasn't invented yet. It's 1841. Oh, come on. He was the first one to have one. <laughs> Um, a fish tank is what Mars meant. Yes, I'm just being an a asshole. Fish tank. So in the winter of 1842, <laughs> uh, Barnum, I'm not sure where he went, but he wasn't in New York. He was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm not sure why. I couldn't find out why he was okay. there, but doing something. Really? Um, and he got stuck. There was a huge storm and he got stuck in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And he went to this hotel that his brother owned. Um, <laughs> and when he was there, he heard rumors of, quote, an extraordinary local boy. So Barnum's brother arranged a meeting, and soon after, Cynthia and Sherwood Stratton knocked on the door of Barnum's room and introduced him to their four-year-old son, Charles Stratton, who was still only 25 inches tall. Remember the scene from the movie? I do. He was like, would you like to come with me? I was like, no, this is like, like he like grabbed him by the back of the shirt and like threw him in the back of a car. That's what would have happened. How much for the boy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like... They made it seem so magical, and I was like, there's just no way. How much? Like, they had no rights. I made it, like, three minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) How much screen time does Charles Stratton have in The Greatest Showman? Uh, No, no. They gave, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, less than ten minutes. Less than ten minutes. Okay. Everything happens really quickly. It's almost like they needed to, like, gloss over a bunch of stuff because it wasn't true. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. (laughs) <laughs> cool <laughs> how much screen time did joyce heth have none well she oh, wasn't they it. never addressed no. it no are you wow. kidding no are you kidding <laughs> <laughs> no way no that wasn't the vibe they were going for <laughs> absolutely not just watch the first five minutes like me <laughs> <laughs> you won't make it past oh, it she said three before I did. <laughs> the first I song i made it partially through the first song and then i was like this it's, it's shit. awful. Did you know Hugh Jackman produced it? 
and like they're doing another one or something or he's doing mm. okay so <laughs> back to this uh barnum offered the parents quote a few dollars and signed the boy on the spot <laughs> signed the boy over yeah <laughs> Uh, Stratton was taken from his home in Connecticut to New York, where he was put on display at the American Museum in the Hall of Living Curiosities. Here, Stratton was taught um, uh, to pose like a statue alongside other little people, giants, and exotic people. But it didn't take Barnum long to realize that there was something even more extraordinary about Charles Stratton. Quote, the boy was a natural-born performer. I don't want to edit this. Hold on. The way it's Thanks. like, are you sure <laughs> this is what you're going with? <laughs> Take two. <laughs> the American Museum had an auditorium that set 3,000 people. In December 1842, Charles Stratton was taken out of the Hall of Living Curiosities and put on the stage. He performed songs and dances and was taught to do impersonations of characters from history. Oh. <laughs> the natural-born performer. Like, he, he was a real person. He was four. Who moved. <laughs> but he was four. Yeah. That's pretty crazy that for is. a four-year-old. But, like, he also, like, his job was to, like, stand still. And then he's a four-year-old, <laughs> and he didn't. They're like, he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him It's move. like he wants to move <laughs> around <laughs> like a four-year-old would. Yeah. It's incredible. But he's so tiny. You put music on, he dances. Weird. <laughs> like, that's a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a statue. So he did, he did impersonations of characters from history and to perform two-handed skits. Uh <laughs> and they said that Stratton had a gift for comic timing. But he did oh. these little skits where there was like someone like Barnum or another person would play like the straight man. Yeah. And then Charles Stratton would do like little jokes with them. Like they have a little back and forth. And yeah. then it always ended where the punchline was. He'd be something like little. Yeah. No, I'm a little fellow. I'm or like short something of like patience. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm short. Yeah. It was all like that. Yeah. Uh, but because <laughs> yeah. it was 1842, he was a huge hit. He was there was big, crazy little popular, big, big little hit. <laughs> Zero. And no with his success came his new identity, General oh. Tom Thumb. So what okay. he's called now. Barnum said about promoting his new star in the press. Here's a quote from a newspaper. So what, at what the time. had he done to achieve his general status? <laughs> <laughs> Just put a uniform on. Yeah. Okay. They usually do. Yeah. General Tom Thumb Jr., the dwarf, exhibited at the American Museum, is by far the most wonderful specimen of a man that ever astonished the world. The idea of a young gentleman, 11 years old, weighing less than an infant at six months is truly wonderful. He is Wait, lively, so he's been doing talkative, well-proportioned, and with all, with all quite the comical chap. Or seven And years. Grace Heth was 200? Uh, so part 200. of the act... One sixty. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> One sixty. Rounding up. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, part of the act was for the audience to perceive Stratton not as a child but as a gentleman. Uh, so that's why Barnum gave him the title of general. Was to <laughs> yeah, give okay. him this like social standing thing. Okay. Um, and he also started lying. But then he threw junior on the end of it. Yeah. But then he was also lying about Stratton's age. So he said he oh, was okay. seven years older than he actually was. Um, to oh, make so him, he's still four. Yeah, he's oh, still okay. four. He's saying he's so no eleven. Time has passed. No. Okay. Uh, and it's to make people think that he was like, if you're, he's four and he's 25 inches tall, then I mean, he's small for a four year old, but you could be like, yeah, he's a four year old. So now he's saying he's 11, but he's only 25 inches tall. Mm. So now he's extra small. small. Okay. And then he's giving him the title of general because that he wanted people to think of him as, um, oh, he also started telling people he was from England. So he's not this four year old boy from Connecticut. 
performing in New York. He's a general from England. He's 11 years old <laughs> <laughs> and only 25 inches tall. So it's all like a big promotion. If thing. you were going to lie and say that somebody's a general, why wouldn't you make them like a general age? Like 11 is not general <laughs> age either. Well, who knows what they're doing over there in England? <laughs> yeah. And also, there was a thing that said Barnum just thought it was funny because he's 25 inches tall to be like, this 25 inches that, tall person is a general. That sounds like him. <laughs> Would be funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> so he's doing all that. And then he started, he really wanted um, this act to go like forward. So he started getting clothes for Stratton that was like, he dressed like he was an aristocrat, basically. So he um, had all these like custom made clothing for him that was uh, made of the most exquisite materials. Um, and there's a museum in the States that has all these, like all of Charles Stratton's clothing that was like donated to them. And it's so cute. It looks like little doll clothes, but it's <laughs> like, he had like custom made top hats and like tail coats and like little vests that have like embroidery oh, and wow. stuff on them. Like they are beautiful clothing, but then they're only like, they're designed to fit someone that was 25 inches tall. Wow. Uh, he also had uh, custom made leather boots and his feet were only three inches long. So they're like little tiny boots. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, then he also started drinking and smoking cigars. Uh, Four-year-olds. <laughs> That's just, yes. it's a phase. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Uh, so the Americans loved General Tom Thumb. At least the people in New York loved General Tom Thumb. And Barnum decided that Charles Stratton was the perfect show to take to Europe. So on January 19th, 1844, they set sail for England. I think his parents went with there? him. He didn't just go with P.T. Uh, Barnum. I was going to say, like, what, is, what are his parents' involvement? Like, just like, they, oh, yes, strange man, they take were, our child. Yeah, they were around. They signed him over. Yeah, yeah. they did. They, were, they didn't have a lot of money. And oh. so they kind of signed him over because that was... I mean, what are you going to do? But I think they were going with him when he was traveling okay. around. I think they went to New York with him, and I think they went to England with him. Well, I mean, he is four. I don't, I don't yeah. imagine P.T. Barnum taking care of a four-year-old. I don't think so. Like, there's still a level of care. Yeah, that's involved. true. Someone's uh, got to do it, and it's definitely not him. <laughs> on February 20th, 1844, General Tom Thumb performed at the Princess Theater on Oxford Street in London. Quote, that night the bill was offering vaudeville, farce, and Italian opera. The now six-year-old... Charles Stratton, was put on stage between Acts 1 and 2 of an abridged version of Don Pasquale. So they were like, here's Act 1 of this opera. Now a six-year-old who's 25 inches tall. Now part two of the opera. That's, that's such a weird <laughs> move. And like, it, Wait, was that? Never mind. Continue. What? That's so strange. I it's thought weird, right? I thought they maybe did something like that in the movie, but I can't. Re I blocked it out of my head. <laughs> like gone. the it first five minutes is like all that stuck in. Really, same. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I actually watched the whole thing. Yeah, quote: There's a shutting off point. Like yeah, I literally true. shut it off, and you <laughs> yeah. just shut it down. So yeah, she couldn't see between her hand covering her eyes, and yeah. she was like, "Oh fuck, what is?" It's this? like in the library when you're like flipping through all of those cards to try and find like. Yeah, and so I find a book. Black out. Yeah, and there's just yeah, just Sharpie over it. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That book's Redacted. not here anymore. Yeah, it's like just no nope. <laughs> memory not available. <laughs> just reference card catalogs. Yeah. When's the last time you saw one of those? I don't know. <laughs> when she graduated high school, probably then. <laughs> they didn't even have them then, did they? My no, my elementary had school had them. Yeah. My high school had computers. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. 
anyway. uh, quote, the press was not kind. The Illustrated London News uh, called Tom Thumb the little monster. <laughs> Who, quote, provided melancholy proof of the low state the legitimate drama has been reduced to. Oh. They're so not They're so. not a fan. No. Wow. So London's not big they're on over it. General Tom Thumb. That was so 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but Barnum wasn't deterred. Quote, Barnum decided to market Charles to the upper classes. He had instinctively grasped the aspirational nature of the British class system. He knew that the aristocratic endorsement would quickly sway the mass market. So he's like, okay, we got to get all the upper class people to fall in love with Charles. And then all the lower class people that want to be the upper class people are going to like Charles because the upper class people sure do. Yeah. As you do. That still happens today. Yeah. 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 It's true. Instagram celebrities. Yeah. What was that? Firefest? That's what that is. (laughs) Could you imagine General Tom Thumb on Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) Influencer. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actual size. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, he, Barnum rented a flat at number 13 Grafton Street in Mayfair and then set out meeting and inviting members of the upper echelon to come and see General Tom Thumb perform. Quote, the Duke, uh, Dukes Buckingham, Bedford, and Devonshire came by. Sir Robert and Lady Peel popped in. Um, and when Charles gave him an impersonation of Napoleon at a private audience, they couldn't get rid of the Duke of Wellington. So all these like upper class people are like Mish. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. They love his impersonation. So, so it was really easy. Yeah. <laughs> is what I'm getting from that. It worked. But I'm wondering like, well, actually I'll bring it up later. Never mind. Okay. So up and up the, the social ladder they climbed until Stratton and Barnum were invited to perform for Queen Victoria. Mm. this part oh, i this know is, is in the movie because i tried to i was trying to google like clips yeah. of charles stratton in the greatest showman because mm-hmm. i was like i wonder how much screen time he has and i just found two that seemed to like <laughs> i feel like that's specifically it. <laughs> be him and that was kind of i like even typed in like greatest showman general tom thumb all clips and it still was like just two, two things yeah so i, was I like, told oh, you it was no. like less than 10 minutes do they really focus on zach efron yeah could you imagine Zac Efron playing Tom Thumb? <laughs> That'd be great. Just his head on somebody else's so, body. Like a Captain America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. On the 23rd of March, 1844, General Tom Thumb arrived at Buckingham Palace. Quote, the meeting took place in the Queen's Picture Gallery, where the general appeared before the Queen, Prince Albert, the Duchess of Kent, and 20 or 30 of the nobility. Six-year-old Stratton made his way towards the Queen, and as he's walking down the hall, he says, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, which is adorable, but also not what you say when you walk into the room with the queen. No. Yep. <laughs> uh, Charles launched into his routine and, uh, quote, exhibited his clever imitations of Napoleon, etc., which elicited the appro- approbation of Her Majesty and the royal circle. <laughs> so they like it. Oh, they liked it. They liked it. I thought you were going to be like, Queen Victoria punted him across the room. <laughs> no, according to Barnum, uh, <laughs> yeah, quote, the queen took uh, General Tom Thumb by the hand and led him about the gallery. Oh. When the evening came to an end. <laughs> That's a lot sweeter than I pictured it. When the evening came to an end, Barnum and his protege began the process of backing out of the queen's presence. So when you leave the queen, you're not allowed to like turn your back mm-hmm. on her. So they're backing out. Uh, but because uh, Stratton was so short, he found like he was like getting like left behind. 
Um, so this is a quote from someone that witnessed this <laughs> event. Okay. They said, because of his size and the shortness of his legs, he found he was losing ground. So he turned around and ran a few steps, then resumed the position of backing out, then turned around and ran <laughs> and continued to alternate his methods of getting to the door until the gallery fairly rang with the merriment of the royal spectators. One of the spectators was not impressed. The queen's favorite poodle started barking at the general, who was forced to defend himself with his cane. <laughs> <laughs> Much what? hilarity ensued, and one of the queen's attendants came out with the expressed uh, home of her majesty that the general had sustained no damage, to which the lord-in-waiting playfully added that in case of er, injury to so renowned a personage, he should fear a declaration of war by the United States. So <laughs> this he's like backing up, backing up, yeah. and then turning and running, and then this poodle that was there got really upset, so it started like barking at him. And him and the poodle... Because the poodle knows the rules. They, they were pretty close <laughs> to the same size. So then this dog started barking at him. And then so he took out his cane and did like a little sword fight with the dog. <laughs> he is a, he's a natural entertainer. Yeah. <laughs> a few days later, again accompanied by Barnum, the young performer appeared at Melborough House before the Queen Dowager, who, quote, was graciously pleased to express her approbation. And then on the 1st of April... Uh, Tom Thumb was again at Buckingham Palace, and then he was invited back again on the 19th of April. So Queen Victoria is on board with him. Hmm. So now with the Queen's approval, quote, anyone who was anyone had to see Tom Thumb. So Stratton's new public show at the Lyceum Theater was, quote, standing room only. Yeah. So now it's like... <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> I, I know what Marcy's going to say. The Winter Garden Theater. <laughs> the Lyceum. Theater. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. And who was it? Charles Dickens, I think, went to go see General Tom Thumb. Oh, that's the oh. form. So now with his success in uh, London, uh, Barnum decided it was time for General Tom Thumb to continue on his world tour. So they went to Belgium, Spain, and France. Um, and while they were in France, two French dramatists wrote a play. It's like a, it's like a fairy, French fairy tale with a boy who fights an ogre. Mm -hmm. And they wrote a version of it for the stage. And they had... Uh, Stratton perform as the little boy that goes and fights the orger. So he was he was eight years old, um, <laughs> and he learned the entire play in French, and did all his lines and performed. And he got raving reviews. It said that he triumphed. Oh. Wow! At the theater, the vaudeville theater in Paris, he made the ogre look really big. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like, so that's the French. So yeah, <laughs> the whole time he was on tour or doing his show in France, he would do his like show like his routine of like the impersonations and the songs and the dances and then he'd go away for a bit and then he'd go back on the stage and do the french play so every wow. single day he was doing a lot of work two shows for like a, how old is he six now eight. he's eight. Oh, eight. sorry jesus christ did you just say that yes sorry okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and there was a thing so i watched i'm gonna i'm just making sure everyone at home is listening as well <laughs> we're just refreshing um, because barnum is still lying about his age and still saying he's like seven years older than he actually is. There was like, I watched this documentary about him and there was this little bit where they were talking about how he had this like huge fan base of people that were obsessed with him and uh, specifically women were obsessed with him. And he would do this thing where if they, they would like sell souvenirs and stuff after his shows and he would give people receipts, which were actually kisses. So he would be like, they could buy like a postcard or buy a book and then yeah. Charles Stratton or General Tom Thumb would give them a kiss as a receipt or they could kiss him as a receipt. And they were like, most people would kiss him on the cheek or something like that. But then there would be some people that would 
be like have like a more <laughs> adult feeling about him because they're saying he, he's like eight and they're saying he's like 15 I guess at the time but he's eight Ew. but yeah there Still. are some women that were a little creepy about the whole thing a little obsessive Frenching an eight-year-old <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just say it <laughs> and then there was people that would keep like going back in the line and like they'd buy something and get a kiss and they go back in the line they buy something else and get a kiss that's weird people were really this is what i'm saying he was a huge huge like celebrity this was everywhere or just in this was like everywhere in london and france (laughs) i mean if it's in france Um, let's let's save the Frenching for the French. In 1846, Barnum decided it was time to return to America. So he went back to London and rented out the Egyptian Hall for General Tom Thumb's goodbye shows. What? Quote, in one week, 17,000 people came to see Tom Thumb. Is this like like old rock stars where they say they're doing their last tour and then he's going to be back like next fall or something? A couple years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Stratton returned to America where his true rise to stardom began. Uh, back at the American Museum, he, quote, played four straight sellout weeks, usually five shows a day. Whoa. He continued to perform in, quote, grand full-length fairytale melodramas where he was given the title role. Stratton was a talented actor, singer, dancer, and comedian. Quote, as a result, certain dramatic critics did not compare his skills to those of the freak show community, but preferred to judge him on his merits as a professional entertainer. Oh, so That's he's almost, he started off in that like hall of curiosities with like yeah. the, the freak show kind of a thing. And now he's like surpassed that where certain people are, he's a dwarf and that's a part of it, but they're like, he's, he's an actor. He's a comedian. He's yeah a singer. So. Wow. Wow. And he's nine years old. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so at nine years old, Charles Stratton had already toured Europe and began touring the United States. He now had a collection of mini carriages, which were driven by Shetland ponies. And wherever Tom Thumb went, or the <laughs> Tom Thumb tour went, he Wait, would drive through ahead of time, creating publicity. Yep. So he had like custom made like his size carriages with Shetland ponies, and his tour would like go to Chicago, and he would drive in in his Who little was, carriage. He drives some ponies. How would he? Who there was, was driving? A, no. Is it like a clown car <laughs> no, of like no, carriages? No. Or like there, a giant guy? There on was a tiny one little... picture online that had another little person that was driving it. Oh, okay, that makes but he sense. was the the star, Inside, and then this yeah. person was yeah. Okay, so it'd be a little tiny carriage going through the town with little tiny ponies pulling it. Okay, and then they would be like Not General Tom Thumb at such the most and such theater. Thing to see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, even know how to process what that would Well, you would hate that. No, she likes miniatures. Oh right. I don't like big things. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so it's I even don't better. Want to start explaining that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 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 it's exciting, that's right? I, though, w- Beowulf. Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same kind of ponies? Yep. Yeah. Oh. They're cute. They're adorable. <laughs> it's like the little, like, gallopy, like, it's yeah. like it's moving too fast for its little legs. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's the horses that I'm excited about, let's be clear. So in 1851, 13-year-old Stratton started to grow, slowly. By his 18th birthday, he was 2 feet 8 inches tall, and by 1862, he was 2 feet 11 inches tall. Oh, wow. I think his final height is, like, just over 3 feet. I think so. So he was, his child height was the 25 inches, and then as soon as he hit puberty, it was like, all right, now you get to be 3 feet tall. Interesting. (laughs) Here you go. I mean, that's still pretty small. small. 
So Mercy Lavinia Warren Bump was born October 16th, 1842. She was born into, quote, a long-established and well-respected New England family. There's, like, her family heritage goes back to, like, people who came over on the the Mayflower. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, old American family. At the age of 16, Lavinia went to work on a, quote, Mississippi showboat <laughs> where she was uh, a dancing chantineuse. So it's kind of like a... Singer-dancer. Yeah, kind of like that. Like a... It's usually, like, what does it say? Usually re- refers to someone who sings in, like, a nightclub mm. kind of a thing. So that type of singer. Um, and then soon after oh. that, uh, she joined P.T. Barnum's American Museum. At that time, she was 20 years old, and she was 32 inches tall. So she's also very tiny. Oh. Yeah. Lavinia and Charles were married on February 10th, 1863. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Is that my birthday? Yeah. Oh, my yep. God. Wow. Um, this is the a lot of things happen on your let's birthday. Let's just celebrate their anniversary every <laughs> year instead of my birthday. Can we start doing that? Yeah. The wedding reception was held at the Metropolitan Hotel, which included the couple greeting guests from atop the grand piano. While admission to the actual wedding was free, Barnum sold tickets to the reception for $75 each to the first oh 5000 to apply. asshole. After Lavinia and Tom were married, they both got even more famous. Because now they're a duo. Now they're a this duo. This is like Chicago. Yep. They got joined together. (laughs) President Abraham Lincoln and his wife provided a reception for the new couple at the White House. Tiffany and co. gave a silver coach to the couple. They amassed and spent a fortune over the course of their lifetime together, which would have had, which would have made them millionaires by today's standards. Wow. Did they actually get it though? Or did P.T. Barnum get it? They got a lot of it. There was um, like a thing where at one point, I think they have, it's hard to tell because I don't have access to like, historic documents Mm -hmm. so i watched a documentary and i read a couple like blogs and stuff like that which i can share but um i think at one point they've left pt barnum's thing because uh they eventually they went on a tour of europe together like the two of them um and they had a baby with them like that was like that was like the last pt barnum publicity thing that he did with them was he was like they're married and now they have this baby but it probably wasn't their baby it was probably just a baby that he got yeah he probably gave him like the biggest Let's baby not yeah. too bad hard on no. that one um, um the fuck did he get a baby <laughs> <laughs> and why and what, what happened after uh, he probably knows? got like the biggest baby to give them because he thought it was funny <laughs> he's like look at them holding that baby like would he not just be like that i just picture him as like such an idiot um but there was one thing on wikipedia that but it had like citation needed next to it and stuff like that it got to that like you know when they you get to those like paragraphs on wikipedia where it suddenly gets really vague and you just see like people adding things like where'd you get this from what year was this yeah you said he bought a house in new york where like (laughs) and um but one of the things said that pt barnum ended up in debt and stratton actually gave him money to get out of debt so i think they are getting a lot well, a Barnum's bunch of probably his getting museums, a lot of it, but a bunch of his museums got destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, the one in New York definitely did. A couple times. So yeah. I could see him getting in lots of debt trying to fix that up. And So when they came back from their European tour, uh, they went on another tour of the States, Lavinia and um, Stratton. And then they also took Lavinia's sister, Minnie, who was also a little person, oh. and another little well, person who. <laughs> Um, worked with uh, P.T. Barnum, whose stage name was Commodore Nut. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm adding that to my names. I call my dog. (laughs) 
They all began touring the U.S. by rail. Don't tell me what to do. And in 1869, they arrived in San Francisco. uh, And this made them the first uh, kind of performers to travel through the Wild West. And then they just kept going. They went all across the Pacific and they went to Japan and they did a tour of Japan and then they went to India and they did a tour of India. So Charles Stratton and Lavinia Warren were basically like the world's first celebrity couple. They made shit tons of money. They got to see Meet the President. They got... Are they still doing like plays? It was kind of vaguely brushed over because this is pretty close to being done. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a certain point, they decided to retire from show business because they felt that the freak show like the way that it was set up was getting more like macabre Mm. so there is a a woman her name is julia something i can't remember i can look it up (laughs) (laughs) um and she was advertised as the world's ugliest woman (gasps) me too (laughs) 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 you're gonna want to stop comparing yourself to her uh she was discovered by this man who bought her from her parents and then became her manager and then when she kind of became a more legal age he married her but probably more to like keep her like tied to him and when she died he had her mummified and then kept touring around with her and for um stratton and lavinia and like some other performers this was like it was gross for them so they kind of took like their um performing was like more like an art for them like it was like like him like being i'm doing these plays and i'm doing these shows and these impersonations but i am a performer i happen to be a dwarf but i'm a performer and then yeah. it started to turn more into this like look at the freak gro- yeah grotesque kind of like yeah. you can mummify this woman's body and put her on tour and they didn't want to have any part in it so yeah, then they kind of like left yeah but just a change and i guess how people felt or yeah i don't know um but they still had a lot of money uh and he uh bought this house for lavinia and himself it's at 351 Plymouth Street in Middleborough, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, and it's still there. It's registered. It's like a registered heritage house in okay. the States. Uh, the interior of the two and a half story house was built to meet the needs of Stratton and his wife, Lavinia. So that has things like the stairs. Instead of having like steep stairs, they built the stairs so that the two of them didn't have to like stretch their legs to get up the stairs. So it, it has sense. these little yeah. short staircases. Um, and... Uh, is it still yeah, around? Yeah. It's still around. The house is still there. I think some people lived in it beforehand, so not everything that he had in the house is still there. But they found, like, in the documentary I watched, they had, like, a pair of... the stairs. They had a pair of Lavinia shoes that they found in the wall, okay. which is weird. That but, checks out. you know, like, sometimes people, when they're, like, in a house, they put something somewhere, and then someone changes the house, and it gets, like... Or, like, in the floorboard, sometimes you find stuff like that in weird houses but what they do have there is they have a they didn't have as many codes no <laughs> uh, they <laughs> have a, over things. A, a grand piano but it's a grand piano that was built to for charles stratton to play so it's a miniature grand piano that he could sit at and play and then he also had a uh, wood burning stove that was built for lavinia so it's like this little miniature wood burning oh stove so God. she could go to the stove could and cook imagine? her own meals and stuff like that which is really what cute. that would look like so I don't know how the house works. I don't know if it's a museum that you can go into or if it's just like a historic thing. Mm. They didn't have a website, so I couldn't like oh, then you probably find it, it. But you could drive by it if you wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't be don't be weird though. <laughs> I'll take a picture of it. Inside, there's a little stove <laughs> <laughs> and a little piano. 
On January nineteenth, in the walls. <laughs> on January nineteenth, eighteen eighty-three, Stratton was staying at John F. Anstadel's Newhall House in Milwaukee when a fire broke out. Um, so this has been called one of the worst hotel fires in American history. More than seventy-one people died, but Tom and Lavinia were saved by their manager Sylvester Bleeker. Whoa. Unfortunately, six months after surviving the Newhall House fire, Stratton died unexpectedly of a stroke. He was forty-five Aww. years old. Forty five? Forty five. Oh my god. Over twenty thousand people that's attended. That's a lot the longer than I thought that he would Yeah, that's pretty good, right? For. Yeah. I mean, he was also drinking and smoking as soon as he was like five, so yeah. <laughs> this is a cap that's on what, things. Yeah. But yeah, forty five. Uh over twenty thousand people attended the funeral and P. T. Barnum purchased a life size statue of Tom Thumb that was placed on top of the gravestone. So he's at Mount Grove Cemetery in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's still there. Still there. There was like a story that it was vandalized and like knocked over and then they raised a bunch of money and replaced it. So still there. Oh, Go vandalize P.T. Barnum's <laughs> grave. <laughs> didn't do anything. <laughs> he did nothing. P.T. Barnum uh, died from a stroke at home in 18, 1891. He was buried in Mount Grove Cemetery in Bridgeport, Connecticut so as well. Go there. <laughs> um, at his death, critics praised Barnum for the good works and called him an icon of American spirit and ingenuity. Yeah, they would. Two years after her husband's death, Lavinia married an Italian dwarf, Count Primo Amagri, and they operated a famous roadside stand in Millborough, Massachusetts. At age 73, she appeared alongside Count Magar, Ma, or Magri in the 1915 silent film The Little Laputian Courtship. Oh. Warren died on November 25th, 1919 at the age of 77 and is buried oh. next to her first husband with the simple gravestone that reads His Wife. Charles Stratton is portrayed by actor Sam Humphrey in the 2017 musical film The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman received mixed reviews from critics who praised or with praise for the performance's music and production value, but criticism for its artistic license, with some reviews calling it faux-inspiring and shallow. Haha. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that checks out. Big time. Yep. Yep. Um, wow. Yeah. What a life. I can't believe it. she made it to like, se- sorry, 77? 77. That's crazy. Yeah. She probably wasn't drinking at four years yeah. old. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, she had a different life. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like the fact that he even made it to 45, like yeah. that's, that's nuts. Yeah, I thought yeah, he was going Like with the younger. lifestyle that he had and. Yeah. Reckless. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's really, um, there's some other things too. The documentary I watched had this. It's really good. I think it came out as a result of The Greatest Showman because it is called The Greatest Showman, but then it's like the story of General Tom Thumb. Yeah. Um, you know, the person who actually did all the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I should post it so people can watch it. It's in two parts, but it's on YouTube. So oh, cool. That's not that hard to I will probably watch, watch It's good. Yeah, definitely. And um, there was a thing with the... When he did the show at the Egyptian Theater, there was this British artist, who I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was doing... Um, a show like right across the street like they were like basically next door to each other so it was like yeah so it was like tom (laughs) thumb over here reference to the prestige and the artist over here (laughs) you do you and uh when the (laughs) that week that tom thumb had seventeen thousand people come to see him that artist had his show on at the same time and he had 133 people come to his gallery to see his art and he was a british like a british artist showing 
paintings about like British morality and stuff like that. He had 133 people come in and Tom Thumb had 17,000 people come see him. And the historian that's on the documentary said the lineup, like the queue for people going to see General oh, Tom Thumb no. went right past where his gallery was. That's sad. Well, yeah. that's, no one knew he was there then. Yeah. They're all just, that's how big Tom Thumb was. They were yeah. just... British morality. <laughs> <laughs> he should have painted that moment. <laughs> I really hope that he did. That was good. But yeah, it's interesting because I think when you think about freak shows, you do think of the, and not to say like he wasn't exploited because he definitely was, but I think you yeah. do think more of like the, I think he I had, I it, remember his he name. had it easier than most stories I've heard, but not to say it was easy. It was definitely hard on his body and, emotionally traumatizing i imagine he seemed to want to do it yeah I mean, but i mean when you're like four and you're just told you're gonna do something and then it becomes your life yeah it's, it's julia pastrana was what, what that's the uh she have a picture of it yeah uh, performer and singer during the 19th century pastrana was an indigenous woman from mexico born in 1834 she was born with a genetic condition hypertrichosis terminalis her face and body were covered with straight black hair Mm. oh that poor woman yeah and I think there's a lot of like really creepy weird sides to that that obviously he just lucked out not being a part like I think it started like that like him being just in that gallery having to stand still and pose Mm -hmm. like that's weird that's super weird um and I'm sure there's, there were still a lot of people. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, he had a lot of people. <laughs> a concerning amount of people. He must have, like, scared a couple of people, right? Like, <laughs> just standing there and be like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hard to resist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I wish, I mean, obviously, there isn't, and that he definitely was in like the right place right time because before that if you wanted to promote someone there wasn't photography you had to draw someone and then you could get away with like barnum had the fiji mermaid display and he like all the ads for that are like drawings of mermaids Mermaids. and then you go in and see that monkey yeah (laughs) monstrosity that is the fiji mermaid and you're like oh uh whereas for charles stratton there was uh I think the camera got invented just before he was born. So as soon as he started performing, there was pictures of him and people could buy pictures of him Yeah, and um, take them with them. And then you have, um, yeah, Instagram influencer. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them are him posing next to other people or posing next to chairs. So you can actually like see see the size of him. Oh, that's like at Niagara, the picture I have of me sitting in the chair for the world's tallest man. Yeah. And I look like, like a baby. Charleston. <laughs> it's uh yeah proportion yeah. is definitely yeah yeah <laughs> it's pretty crazy like i don't know it's it's i i can see why people thought it was so amazing it sucks that it was such like an exploitive business you know like i can see why people would come to see that because like especially when you consider there was literally nothing going on yeah yeah again. like we went to go see an autopsy yeah weird shit was yeah going on. so weird and he was he was just so like i yeah 
It'd be fascinating. I think I'd be kind of fascinated as long as it was like an ethical thing. Seeing somebody like that yeah. would just be like, wow. It's not like, like it really the Phantom puts... of the Opera in a cage kind of Yeah, thing. exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, like he's on stage performing. Yeah. yeah. You're not like poking him with sticks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But like P.T. Barnum was the worst. P.T. Oh, Barnum was. was there's no way there wasn't some fuckery something. going on there <laughs> he was doing something he was shadiest person ever i want to see that musical yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, that's gonna be the sequel can we have a redo <laughs> the greatest showman too <laughs> let's fuck some shit up <laughs> like he's just a total asshole but he's singing about it yeah <laughs> i'm down yeah i mean i'm not <laughs> i am he kind of is an asshole in that but yeah, that's what I've heard. I, I like I posted a thing about it when I was like, this man owned people. Yeah. Um, and somebody commented and they're like, they don't portray him in a good light. And I was like, but like Yeah, the the tone of the overall tone of the movie is definitely could like not does not support that. Yeah. But he does do like I mean, but it's all towards his family. Like it's like he alienates himself from his family and that's the bad part of him. Right. Not the fact that he owns people. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like he should be a better father. But yeah, but it's like this idea where he took all these like people and showed them like we can love and be normal and it's just kind of like, like no. No, that's, that's not, not what, what he happened. Did. No. So he put them in a museum and people just gawked at them. Yeah. Yeah. What they did on their own time is them, but like, let's not bring him into this. Yeah. You could be like, he should be a side character in that story if that's the message that they're trying well, to Well, yeah. so the other thing I was going to say was I looked up the clip that's when they go to see Queen Victoria that's in The Greatest Showman, and they showed up, and Tom Thumb is in it, but it was like the front of the line was Hugh Jackman and Zach Efron going in there where I don't even know who the fuck Zac Efron's supposed to be but no other name like in all the (laughs) in all the research I was doing. He's supposed to be like a producer like he's like a rich kid who like gives him money to like open up his right. That entire time that uh, Stratton and uh, Barnum were in England there wasn't anyone else there they didn't go with like an entourage of circus freaks like it was just the two of them that was it. There was no one else there. How are they supposed to have there. a musical number if the <laughs> chorus isn't there? <laughs> Did they walk in like a musical yeah. number? Just yeah. Like- <laughs> well, the clip that I saw was like all of them like in a line and then Stratton kind of pops out in his little Napoleon yeah, here too. outfit. Yeah. And the queen starts laughing. But it was like, this was yeah. like a huge thing. And you just reduced it to like a three minute clip in a movie that yeah. involved that- 20 people that were not there. And that seems to be yeah. the entire thing with That's that film. the whole movie. Yeah. Just like anyway, so this has been our review of the greatest <laughs> showman. <laughs> Two of us haven't seen it, and one of us can't remember what happened. <laughs> Voila! You've collectively watched the same amount of film, <laughs> like about six minutes. Yeah. I got the first five. You got the two Tom Thumb clips. We're good. It yeah. sucks. Um, yeah, kay. Charles Stratton was a huge, huge star, but he was tiny. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was good. I liked yeah. it. Thank you, Ellie. It was great. I learned um, so much that I didn't listen to and then had to reaffirm. How old is he? Where are we? What? How much? <laughs> How tall? <laughs> there right. will be a test. There. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. And uh, don't watch The Greatest Showman. Don't watch The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Toodles. Bye. Later. <laughs>